some I haven't seen movies like Barbenheimer having so much hype in years and years and years, probably since Endgame. Mm-hmm. And for them to, to be kind of duds, or at least like not the most exciting movies, I think is kind of bad, you know, in yeah. the long term health of the movie industry. But specifically Oppenheimer, why I think it was a little bit of a waste of Nolan's talent is if you wanted to make a dry movie about people just talking the entire time you don't need Christopher Nolan you don't need his amazing cinematography viewpoint mm. you don't need his amazing writing to make a bio biopic how many people have done that successfully just being like you know B-list directors it's like you yeah. don't need Christopher Nolan to make this movie there was nothing special I think in Oppenheimer that was like oh this was for sure Christopher Nolan you know other than maybe making it all practical but again it didn't need to be that it really did Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to so. quickly just introduce this episode, then we're going to go right back into it because we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. We're back, raised on film. Jake's here. The Christopher Nolan <laughs> Rises. That was my best band impression. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. I couldn't come up with a better name, so The Christopher Nolan Rises is oh the episode God. name. Really? That's what it's called? Perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. I love doing the band voice. It's fun. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about and i want to get this out of the hop right away i want to do something fun so Mm -hmm. to confirm because we are of course doing a ranking don't worry ladies and gentlemen we will be doing a ranking but um you the only one you haven't seen is following right yeah and i mean whatever it's like a very no that's fine i don't remember it i saw it once so i'm just in default putting following at 12 i don't really have much to say i don't think so that aside on three, two, one, I both want us to say where Oppenheimer is in our ranking. At the same yeah. time, we have no idea. We'll, we'll we'll do the rest of the ranking later. I'm yeah. just curious, and I want to do it at the same time. Yeah. Where we're at, I think out of eleven. Out, out of eleven, out of, technically, yes. I have 11. following at twelve, then up from eleven. Yeah. So I'm okay. curious where you're gonna put it. So this is brand new, folks. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what the other person is gonna say. This is huge. Yeah. So I will do the countdown, and we'll play. We'll say our placement. Three, two, one, ten. Eleven. <laughs> oh, that, oh, I was. I, I didn't know if you were gonna be like eight or nine. Yeah, that that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. So to piggyback on what you said and who was piggybacking on what I said, we'll just keep piggybacking off each other. Um, I totally agree with you, and I put this in the same category to some degree, not the exact same. But Tarantino is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I would put Hollywood a little bit above it because I think there's a little bit more with this, uh, with that than this. But um, you just said it perfectly in that message. I'm like, that's so true. Where, um, sorry, I left my fan on. Um, uh, It's Christopher Nolan made the movie really engaging for one view for 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 a viewing. There's yeah. no rewatch value for this movie for me, unfortunately. But I'm like, it's three hours. There's just way too much going on. And the first thing I said, I think it was to Chris in a message. There's a two, two hour and 10 minute cut of this movie. That's actually really, really, really good. Like Christopher Nolan, I don't think has the ability to make a bad movie. Just like Tarantino doesn't have the ability to make a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But there's just something, and I put Hollywood in this category. I put the Irishman in this category. There's something going on where it's like, God, like I, I, and I don't know what it is. This is a well-made movie, 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a well-made movie, but why am I so bored? And why do I not care? And yeah, and I don't have an answer. I'm just, I'm fresh off seeing it. It's been like yeah. a week. Dodd and I, I went and saw it with my buddy Andrew and we're just both like, you wasted a great Robert Downey Jr. performance. Like The performances are great. The shooting is great. But there's just something about I have a few little things about this movie, and I want to pass it over to you. But do you have an answer? Do you, do you know, like, wh- why do we have to make a three-hour biopic when this is the guy that made Interstellar and Inception and The Dark Knight? Okay, so here's where I disagree with you. And you Oh, and God, I here we go. All part. right, let's disagree. I don't think a three-hour movie is a bad thing. And I think that a three-hour movie is fine. It wasn't the length of the movie that was the problem for me. It was... Okay. It was how jumbled the storytelling was. It was That how, was an issue, yeah. It was how quick the pacing was almost in the beginning, especially, where it's like, just get through, just get through, go, go, go. Which, you know what? That's the, that's the thing about a three-hour movie. Like, they're telling the story about a guy who had a very complex and important life, but they're breaking... They have to, like, get through stuff, which I get. But I just don't think they did it well in this case. I don't think... Like, if you love movies and you love cinema... sitting through three hours of it i don't think it should be a bad thing i think that should be a good thing but some of the examples that we've had lately like irishman once upon a time this they're not super well done three hour movies so it's what really gives it a bad i think you know view but if it's a three hour movie that you can that has a great pace that has lots of twists and turns then I think it's much more bearable to sit through. I mean, here's a great example. Stranger Things. Like, there's fucking 34 hours of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, is Stranger Things a good enough story to warrant 34 hours of your viewing time? Or is that just like, because it's a show, we'll accept it, but we won't accept there being a three-hour movie? You know? Yeah, I mean, there's stuff to break down within that, like pacing and all that. Obviously, TV shows are structured in a way where even an episode, it's not like there's, th- there, there's 10 three-hour episodes. Like... The way your brain works with an hour TV show, there is a beginning, middle, and end. Like, a TV show still has that kind of structure within each episode. So, I think there's something psychological about that where you know this episode's coming to an end. You're going to get a break. You're going to go get something to eat. You're going to go to the bathroom, whatever. (laughs) The problem with me is, and again, I'm glad we disagreed a little bit for sure because there are some three-hour movies I like. Mm -hmm. A lot of them I don't. I I think most movies, generally speaking, are too long that are in that you know, there's only a few movies I'd be like, okay, like, like an Avengers Endgame, that warranted its runtime. There was so much going on, and it kept, you know, your your engagement in that movie. Titanic's a longer movie. That's you know, Green Mile. I would still say yeah. trim. Like, there's lots of examples. But to me, and this, and I'm gonna use Nolan as an example because I don't understand. It's it's my same argument with Casino and Goodfellas. The same director made a similar movie. And one is 30 to 40 minutes longer. And I don't understand when you can tell Goodfellas in this pace versus Casino. That's why Casino feels longer and dragged out to me. This is my opinion. It's Mm -hmm. the same thing with this where I'm like, how on earth is Oppenheimer three hours? Yet you can tell the story of Inception in two hours and 20 minutes. Where that is a way more complex story and it, it moves so much better and you get just as much information if not more in that time whereas Oppenheimer he loves playing with timelines and and all this but Oppenheimer there are too many characters there's too many 
time jumps. There's black and white. There's color. I don't know three quarters of the characters' names. I don't know how they relate to Oppenheimer. I can't like. There's just it was too much. And I I go back to like an Inception where it's like these are our characters. We know them all. Every great character in that movie, you learn them in their first scene. Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Elliot Page, Leonardo DiCaprio. You're introduced. You know you know their 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 reason for being there. You get a little bit of their character. Boom. We're in this story. We're moving. We're going from dream to dream, uh, within yeah. a dream, within a dream, within a dream. It just blows my mind that. Uh, anyway, I don't. I don't. I'm not going anywhere with it. I, I guess we. I guess. I guess we don't really disagree as much as we thought. I just think that like I, I totally agree with what you said before i think that christopher nolan just it i, I don't know and shot and on on imax as well and this didn't need to be a movie either this should have been a series this should have been like if, oh, if you're really going to tell if you're really going to tell oppenheimer's life and just try to cram it into three hours literally like everything he's ever done basically and you're and like you said you're cutting all these timelines like just make that a series and make it more palatable mm. um that's my opinion at least like chris when we talk i talked to chris after this he's like you got to watch chernobyl and i was like okay well there's five hours right there but it's yeah. probably like you mentioned better paced because there is a, a beginning middle end yeah and you know it's just as complex a story um so I think that that would be a perfect comparison. Like you could do a five hour version of Oppenheimer. That's a series. And it would just be a little bit more sensible to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing, let me mention, because this is a, a pet peeve I have with, uh, with kind of people nowadays is this is Oppenheimer is a perfect example of why rotten tomatoes can be both deceiving and accurate at the same time. And yeah. this is a PS, this is just a PSA. You know this, but this is for anyone out there. So the problem is that Rotten Tomatoes isn't an aggregate of like what you're, how much, how good you are out of a hundred. It's literally just a reviewer says this is a good movie or a bad movie. It's a thumbs up or thumbs yeah. down. That's all it is. So if this movie is a ninety-seven percent, that just means that ninety-seven critics out of a hundred think this is objectively an okay movie. It's better than average, <laughs> right? Mm. So you could have the most average movie, just barely above average, be a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Doesn't mean it's like Goodfellas level. It doesn't mean it's Shawshank Redemption. It just means that it's a decent movie that everyone agrees is objectively okay. Mm-hmm. So Oppenheimer being ninety seven percent, it just adds to this hype where like when you go to see it, I just feel bad because it's it's people are gonna see it thinking it's like this amazing movie and it's like it's really just you know, par for the course, biopic, nothing too crazy. There's a part where the bomb is very loud. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of loud and another common theme with the last few Nolan movies is the sound mix. Yeah. And terrible. Like, I don't know. The, the, the movie is like a montage and there's some, again, scenes where it's hard to hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was trying to explain it to Chris, but I'm like back to my two hour and 10 minute there's a good movie here where I'm like, I'd get rid of all the bouncing around, just make it a little more linear. And the movie needed to end 10 or 15 minutes after the, uh, the infinity test. Cause that was an iconic moment. That's your climax. That's your climax of the movie. And then have the follow like build up in the first act, maybe the, um, the hearing or like the interrogation in the room, tease it a little bit like what are they talking about oh my god a communist oh my god what's going who's florence Pugh? oh my god yeah. and then you go back 
and you get introduced to everything and then it all makes sense. And then you end up back there after the infinity test. Right. And then you have a scene with De Niro, or De Niro, uh, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. And you wrap the movie up. There is a good rewatchable movie in here. I don't need to see them bombing Japan. One of the best scenes in the movie was when they were trying to figure out where to bomb in Japan when they were sitting. Oh yeah. There are so good scenes in this. Like again, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. steals almost every, every um, scene he's in. He's probably going to win an Oscar for this. You know who steals the entire movie for me in one scene was Gary Oldman. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> that scene was fantastic when he said they don't care about the guy who designed the bomb, they just care about the guy who who decided to drop it or whatever and he's like that's me. Yeah. And who then he, and then when he leaves Yeah. Yeah, like oh yeah, Gary Oldman. Again, this cat like, there are Oscar winners that have one scene in this movie. Casey Affleck, <laughs> Gary Oldman, Rami mm-hmm. Malek shows up for two or three scenes. Um uh what's his um Florence Pugh has four yeah. or five scenes and she's Braga. she she's underutilized in it. Um yeah, and it's so just like I didn't I didn't care about his relationship with his wife, unfortunately. They didn't develop that enough. I loved Emily Blunt's scene when she mm-hmm. backs him up when she's interviewed. Uh but Florence Pugh is a fantastic actress. I wanted more of her in this. And that's what I mean. I just I, I think yeah. I, I like meh. Like this it was just it was fine to see once. I, I walked away the same way as I did with Hollywood. Where I'm like, yeah. Hollywood was a little bit different because the ending was so exciting and like out of left field. So right. I maybe had a little bit more of a hop in my step. Just but it's the same thing. It's the same thing where I'm like, oh my god, like, yeah. I and I don't. These are great filmmakers who know how to make really good movies. It's just you could say the same thing about Spielberg when he's when he was making Lincoln and stuff. Where it's like these are good filmmakers that know how to shoot and craft a scene. And get good performance at other actors. But this specifically, like, the music was really loud in scenes. And it's building up to nothing. And I'm like, oh, just have the people talk for a little bit. It's okay. Dialogue (laughs) scenes are good. Right. Yeah, Nicole was on, like, she mentioned it right away. She was like, I can't even hear what they're saying. Because, like, she was like, every scene has music in it. And it's all, like, just droning and just dragging over. And we thought it was Hans Zimmer because I guess we thought Hans Zimmer did every Christopher Nolan movie. But no, he hasn't not. for a while. Yeah, he hasn't done his last two, I found out. So. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, he did a good Hans Zimmer impression. Like, the soundtrack's not bad. It's just put in the wrong spots. It's too loud. It's over scenes where people are just trying to talk. <laughs> it's, like, mm. it's like being in a nightclub. You can't hear it. And yeah. I totally... What? 100%. Yeah. You're going to blow up what? Yeah. <laughs> I 100% agree that, like, that whole didn't, like, Robert Downey Jr. as the bad guy storyline that just randomly happens and, no. like, after the climax of the movie. If you're going to include all that, yeah, lead up to it earlier and make the climax the bomb, like you said. Like, it should basically be bomb goes off in the test and then they ride away in the car with those two bombs and they're like, yeah, yeah we'll see what happens, basically. And, like, yeah. that's where it should end. I love him um, finding out on the news too. I thought that was great. I love I, again. Yeah. I like that we don't see the bombing. We just have his reaction. Like again, right. wasted performance. Killian Murphy is great in this movie. He's okay. It's a subtle. <laughs> it's, I'm just saying. It's it's a yeah. it's a subtle performance. Again, he's not. It's an allowed performance. No. There's other actors around him that are doing more. Again, there's not a lot of like, oh my god, amazing performance. I just think. Robert Downey Jr. is gonna soak this up and 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 uh, and get an Oscar out of it because Hollywood loves him. But same with Emily was, Blunt, probably. Yeah, and 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 again, they're all good. But again, it's just like I don't know. I can't wrap my head around the follow to this because I'm like, I went and saw Dark Knight three times in the theater. 
I went and saw yeah. Inception three times in the theater, and it's not fair because again, that's where I believe he peaked. Um, but even Dark Knight Rises, a flawed movie, because I rewatched mm-hmm. a bunch of Christopher Nolan movies. Dark Knight Rises is a flawed movie. There are a lot of issues with it, structurally, character motivations, everything. Like, there's a lot of of, of stuff in there that I'm like, this isn't right. It's a very sloppy Nolan script, but it's way more rewatchable than this. <laughs> yeah, and I feel bad. Like, I don't want to come on the podcast, the first one I've been on with you, where we're talking about Christopher Nolan and like saying negative things because up until oh. this point. I would tell you that Christopher Nolan is like in my top five favorite directors. And he yeah. still is. It's just, obviously everyone has a dud sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll work our, we'll work our way to the good stuff again. Again, I started early yeah. on. He, he is not a bad filmmaker and he's not made a bad film, but Oppenheimer just, if this is the direction he is going, I just think he's going to lose a lot of fans. And again, I'm going to be there cause I, I want to, I felt good going to the theater to support this, to pay money, shot mm-hmm. on IMAX, shot on film, shot practically. Done the I right love way. this. I will be at Tarantino's next movie. I will watch Scorsese's next movie. I'm still going to go. It's just unfortunate when you think back to the highs of Christopher Nolan where right. It's like, he's just so good. He's such a good filmmaker and he needs I just think he needs a little bit of action in his movies. Because I don't know what it is. I just think he needs a little bit of... Cause he, he's got a good spectrum of genres. He, he's dabbled mm-hmm. in a lot. But I just think that this was just... I, again, I don't know what his motivation was for making it. Maybe he was interested in the story of Oppenheimer. Obviously, he was. Mm-hmm. But well, I'm just like... They even mentioned Oppenheimer in Tenet. Oh, like, I, I didn't just know watched, I just watched Tenet today for the first time. And actually, that movie, I think, gets too much hate. And it's actually the complete opposite of Oppenheimer, where it's like total action the entire way yeah. through. Um, but yeah, there's a scene where they mention Oppenheimer. They're talking about how the theory that the atomic explosion could like potentially have a chain reaction that destroys the world. So they actually mention that. So he's he's clearly interested in him just the movie yeah. before and leading up to this. Yeah, I mean maybe he just felt the need to tell this story. Uh, I I do appreciate that he tried to do a more grounded approach than like some of the sci-fi stuff. I just think that he's at his best when he's doing like sci-fi action oriented movies. Well, Um, Oh, keep going. That's just me. I mean, sci-fi or just, just action with a great script. And like, it doesn't have to be too complex. I think he's maybe trying to get a little too far. He's, he's, he's buying his own gimmick he's like i'm the complex director that's what i have to do now and it's like mm-hmm. no you don't you're telling a guy's life story you don't have to make it some like pulp fiction-esque tale yeah no and you could you could tell he he he, he was trying to be crafty with a lot of stuff he was doing and mm-hmm. again he, he knows how to he knows how to craft a scene he knows how to um again I, I like this better than the Irishman. Let me just for frame a reference, just because I, yeah. I was really bored with the Irishman. This there were again, like I said, there were a lot of really good scenes. I already mentioned one of them, um, or actually I've mentioned a few of them. But again, it's just overall rewatch value is big for me with with movies, and he, this guy's just got way more stuff. Which yeah. let's talk let's talk about some positives because there's a few things I want to talk about with Nolan as well with movie going experience, rewatch value is, is, is some of his top movies. So what I want to do is let's just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Give me your Christopher Nolan ranking and we'll compare notes right now. Okay. And this one was number 11 for me, Oppenheimer. Yep. But even with that said, it's still, I still gave it a seven out of 10. 
Yeah. So like, for, yeah. to be that your worst movie in my opinion, and still be a seven out of ten is insane. Um, number ten was a tough one for me. I I did put Tenet. I but you know I probably after a second or third watching might have it a little bit higher. Okay. Because to me the storyline being complex isn't an issue. Like we've we've watched sci-fi's forever where we have to go like, oh I guess this technology just exists, so we just have to accept that and like, you know that then just go along with the plot or the action and i think tenet was amazing action all the way through it's got a perfect pace it's just a super super well done from a directing standpoint it reminds me a lot of kind of a mix of the dark knight rises and inception it's kind of a weird mix of those two movies okay Uh, but that's what i put at number 10 number nine the dark knight rises which holds a higher place in my heart than being number nine in this move in this list but objectively it's not his best movie by any means yeah um number eight memento uh, just a solid it's one of those ones probably doesn't have a huge amount of replay value but it's a really cool concept oh god yeah uh, fantastic number seven for me is the prestige and i know it's higher on some people's lists i think it's a little bit dry kind of like oppenheimer kind of just boring some of the time but it is still a really really well-made movie number six for me is insomnia which is a phenomenal movie. Uh, obviously, we watched that for our Robin Williams episode, and I got to give it another watch because I thought it was great, great detective movie. Um, I think it might move up in your list if another rewatch. It might. Mm. Number five on my list is the is Batman Begins, okay. which we both agree. I know it might even be super high on your list, but it's very underrated um, in yep. terms of both a superhero movie and a Nolan movie. Like, it's just so well done. Okay, can uh, I get can I guess yeah. your final four? In the order, yeah, sure. So I'm going with number four, Interstellar. No. Nope. Dark Knight. Nope. What? Dunkirk. Dunkirk is number four. You're a war guy. I th- I thought Dunkirk was gonna be number two. Just because I'm a war guy doesn't mean that every war movie has to be like. No, no, no. But I, okay, I, I was, I, I just, I thought, I, I was just a guess. I was wrong. I okay. was wrong. Dunkirk probably would be higher, but it's a little bit slow paced. Okay. There's some huge, amazing moments in that movie. Like we, we, like anytime where there's a big action scene in that movie, it's phenomenal and it's really well done. But it's a little bit slow for me. Okay, then uh, that makes Interstellar three. Then right. Interstellar is three. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm going to Dark Knight number two. Yep. And then I can't seem to think what your number one would be. I, I'm missing a, <laughs> missing a movie on here. I maybe don't know. To, maybe it will have to put you to sleep and you'll think about it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think, yeah, our number, our number ones, I think, are the only thing that are the same. Yeah. <laughs> Which Inception, is amazing. A hundred percent. It was number one on my DiCaprio movie list. It's gonna be number one on my Nolan list. Oh, that's phenomenal. so yeah. I, I'm I'm just double checking right now. We're close on a few. Some were completely off. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, so that's good. Okay, so again, we'll talk about the movies you want to talk about. I'll just rifle off mine. Um, yeah. so our our bottom is is just the opposite. I'm, um, eleven for Tenet, ten for Oppenheimer. Tenet, mm-hmm. I saw in the theater with Andrew. We've watched the last few together. I was just so confused. I have to rewatch it again. I just don't have a lot of drive to it. It might switch with Oppenheimer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was very hard to follow. Again, the audio, the sound mixing was weird at some points. Yeah. Um, it was just an incredibly difficult movie to follow. And when I'm confused in a movie, and I'm going to explain this a little bit more in a few here, um, it's hard for me to be engaged in the movie. 
Um, uh, no, my, okay, oh, that's actually the next one. Sorry. So th- this might be our biggest discrepancy, and I did just rewatch this. My number nine is Interstellar, oh. and I did like it more the second time watching, and I saw it, I think, with you on IMAX. Um, oh. It was our follow-up to Dark Knight Rises when we met. Mm. Um, Interstellar's fine. It loses me in the last 15, 20 minutes. I have no idea what the hell is going on. When he goes <laughs> into the bookcase and all, I'm like, this movie is just right over my head at this point. I was really trying to follow it more this time. There's some good elements. Matthew McConaughey carries the movie. He's really good. Oh, yeah. I just, again, outside of the visual spectacle, I think it won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. It's fantastic to look at. I just don't get invested as much as I do as the other movies. It's still a well-made movie. Um, And, like, this is a perfect example. So, number eight is The Dark Knight Rises. We were close with that. Interstellar is a better movie than Dark Knight Rises, but I will rewatch Dark Knight Rises before I watch Interstellar. I will forgive the issues with the script because yeah. Tom Hardy's Bane, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, some great action scenes. So, yeah. So I think Dark Knight Rises is in a pretty good spot, right? Almost in the middle. Yep. Uh, my, uh, I'll let you guess my my Fiona here. Don't worry, I won't forget you. Uh, my number seven is Memento. Okay. Very close to yours as well. I think it yeah. loses rewatch value the more times you watch it. The first mm-hmm. time, second time watching that movie, I think it's brilliant with how, you know, the gimmick of it about being backwards and forwards at the same time and meeting in the middle. I think that's really cool. Um, and then my number six is Dunkirk. Okay. I saw this in the theater as well. It is a little on the slower side, but again, I think it's a solid war movie and it was cool yeah. to see Christopher Nolan tackle a war film and I love the story of it. I love the simplicity of it where again, it's just like, Hey, this is another moment in history where a lot of average people stepped up and were heroic. Just again, contrary to like a saving private Ryan, it's great that we have all these different varieties of war movies because there's so many different stories out there. Now you go ahead. Can you name my top five in the the right order? The big thing thing is, is Batman begins going to be above the dark Knight. So mm-hmm. if if that's the case, then I'm saying Dark Knight is next. So you're going Dark Knight number five. I'll go Dark Knight five, and then I'll go. Ooh, this is tough. Um, four would have to be Batman Begins. No. So let me actually. We should do okay. one at a time. You were right. The Dark Knight is number five, and we'll go. We'll come back to Dark Knight. Don't okay. worry. Okay. Number four actually was Batman Begins, but it just Proceed. switched with something. Yes, the prestige is number four. Yeah, Batman Begins is is number three. Okay, and then I think, uh, yeah. Well, you said Inception is number one, so it has to. Be, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I gotta gave that. Away. I was thinking like Insomnia could make its way to your number one at some point. Yeah, do you know what it is? And I was thinking about this because I got a lot of flack with uh, with uh, with with um, uh, Tarantino ranking when I put Reservoir Dogs as number one. Right. There's something about the simplicity of Insomnia. I just rewatched it. I love it. I think mm-hmm. it's such a well-made, simple... It, it's a simple movie executed so fucking well. Yeah. But obviously, Inception's number one. I fucking yeah. love Inception. <laughs> I like It's... And, and I'll, I'll give you credit because I steal this when I, when I talk about this, but you said something back right around when it came out um obviously we met a couple years later but i think we were going to see something i forget what it was i think we were talking about like the avengers or something because the avengers just came out but you said um i'm paraphrasing but inception is one of the greatest big blockbuster films ever directed oh yeah 
Absolutely. Like, it's that perfect summer movie. It's like, it's basically what Top Gun Maverick was last year, but yes. even better, even yeah. better because it's like more of a, it, it just, it's just is such a thrill and your mind is going like you're, you have to think about things while you're watching cool stuff. That's easy to watch, but it's not easy to follow. So, and the, the cast is phenomenal and the pacing is amazing. Like it's just, yeah, perfect summer blockbuster movie, I think. Yeah, and, and and what's nice too is it's completely original. Oh yeah, like I, and and like now especially in this nostalgia age we're in right now with so many reboots and sequels and comic book movies, like this guy just pulled this out of his hat, and it's just like so. Anyways, I I want to kind of end with Inception. So what I want to do quickly, just so I know here, because I I don't want us to lose track. I'm gonna try to moderate this as well. Okay. What are a couple? What are a couple of the movies you want to talk about? We have to talk about to... the Dark Knight and Batman Begins, okay. obviously. Um, we I already want, talked about want... Tenet. Sorry, I was gonna what? say I want both of us to go back and watch Tenet. I think that that's a movie you and I should watch together. And I agree. Be... I I'm fine yeah. rewatching Tenet. I have nothing to say right now about it because I don't really remember it. But I'm totally down to rewatch it 100. percent All right, let's talk about. Batman Begins and why The Dark Knight is number five on your list because that's okay. No, I, I've had this debate many times. I love it. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Okay, I want to hear it because so, I've heard you say it, but I want to hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll start off with this. I think Batman Begins is slightly underrated, and I think The Dark Knight is slightly overrated. Okay. Both really good movies and that's not a oh. knock and again i feel like there's hate already happening out there in the ether but <laughs> couple things uh number one i watched the dark knight to death and that's on me i saw it right. three times in the theater i was obsessed with it i know almost all of the lines in the movie specifically the joker of course ain't going to as well as that um speaking about the joker it, i mean it's, it's fantastic it is arguably one of the greatest performances ever and there's so many great performances out there, but just the escapability, what Heath Ledger did, he is gone in that movie. Heath Ledger does not exist. And it's fantastic. Everything, mannerisms, all that. So here, I'll just walk through, because I think they're both they're both good movies. Number one, I like Gotham more in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I think they get a little lazier in each sequel, and they just right. stop trying to hide it. Gotham is like mainly New York and Chicago in, in the second one. And then by the third one, they've completely given up. Like, it's just like you're in <laughs> Chicago or LA or New York, all the places they filmed. So I love the Gotham look in the first one. It's a lot darker at night and stuff. I love that. Number two, and this is a big thing for me and it's a little, it's a little nitpicky, but it's annoying by the third one. Christian Bale's performance as Batman. I think right. he phones it in a tiny bit by the third one. I think by dark Knight rises, I don't think he cares as much. Okay. I think he's giving it his all in Batman begins and mm -hmm. the voice. I don't know what he did in each movie, but his voice as Batman gets worse and worse. It's <laughs> so good in the first one. He right. like, he changes it just enough. So he doesn't sound like Bruce Wayne. Like he's still screaming. Like he's a swear to me when he's yeah. yelling. But like in Dark Knight, like I'm not wearing hockey pads. Like it's yeah. so ridiculous, <laughs> and it drives me nuts. Um, okay, and I'll keep going here. There's just little things here and there. Yeah, yeah I get the it. Jo the Joker and Two Face as well are both really good. Obviously, in the Dark Knight, the Joker steals every scene he's in. It's fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. His buildup in that movie is per- he's a perfect supporting character in a movie. He comes in, does his thing, kind of like Calvin Candy maybe in Django and Chain. He comes in, makes his mark, then he leaves. Comes in, then he leaves. I love it. Yeah. But even as good as they both are, I think the villain combination in Batman Begins is a little bit stronger. I, I think, think they Ra's work. Ghoul is so underrated. Yes. Both performances, Killian Murphy as well as Scarecrow yeah. are great, but I like their their working together, the way it works in the narrative and um I love when villains and and heroes have a history. Yeah. And then they have to fight. I love that element to the story. Again, joke performance and role in the movie, you will not top the Joker. But no. the, the villain combo, I think, is great. I've always, as good as Aaron Eckhart is, the descent into madness in The Dark Knight's a little forced for me. He just, I, he, I, I don't believe it. He's a really good guy at the beginning. I would have, at the very beginning of the movie, he's already shady. And he's yeah. just slowly falling. Just a little, again, this is all nitpicking. Um, I love the structure of Batman Begins, the pacing. The, the 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 manipulation of time the the origin at the beginning is great how he edits it's just so good and this might be controversial but I think they're both good I prefer Katie Holmes a tiny bit more than Maggie Gyllenhaal I like mm. Katie Holmes's chemistry with Bruce Wayne the scene right. in the car is fantastic when she slaps him and I just think again Maggie Gyllenhaal is not in much of the Dark Knight she dies in the second act spoiler alert <laughs> but um <laughs> it's a little forced i don't think they have as good yeah. a chemistry i'm in the katie holmes camp i agree i agree and lastly i don't know why she didn't come back i mean she was with tom cruise maybe tom cruise didn't let her i don't know uh but um <laughs> and lastly um the dark knight as iconic as it is it's this it's got so many great scenes mm-hmm. i hate uh, Commissioner Gordon faking his death. It's it's almost a plot hole to me. It doesn't make any sense why he okay. does it, who's involved, how he comes back into the... I, I, I don't get it. And the ending. Now, hear me out. Really? The ending, where it ends up and what they're trying to do, I understand. I get it. Batman takes the fall. It's almost a plot hole to me because why does he have to do it? Just say the Joker killed everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, why does there was evidence against that no but there, there wasn't though no one knows uh commissioner gordon says to him that no one knows what harvey dent did that's why they're able to pin it on batman right but they i think they know that it wasn't the joker specifically but what how who knows that what how there's nothing explained in the movie it just seems so extreme if i was in that town mm-hmm. and this whole time batman is trying to save the city He's right. only taking out criminals. And then one day you say, oh, by the way, Batman murdered five people in cold blood, including <laughs> Harvey Dent. I'd be right. sitting there going, huh? What? But if you, if, if the same newscast, you say the Joker killed five people and then he killed Harvey Dent or Harvey Dent killed himself over the death of his girlfriend. Right. I would believe that. I, again, I'm nitpicking at this point. I love yeah, the iconic ending. It's so good. It just seems a little far-fetched. And like every time I watched it, I'm like, just say the Joker killed all the people. And like, yeah. I, I love the idea. This is my last point. Then I'll turn it over to you. I love the idea of the boats, but I think by that point, the movie has beaten to death. This whole 
the whole theme of the movie about uh, not uh, again. I forget that it's the trolley metaphor mm-hmm. thing where you uh, we don't trade lives or whatever. Um, they beat it to death the whole movie, and I think the ending drags a little bit. Uh, those scenes on the boat, I just yeah. want to be with the Joker and Batman and Two Face at this point. I get what they're trying to do. It just drags on a little bit too much. I think they could have had the same thing and just trimmed it down. Anyways, that's my point. I think those are all valid points. Dark Knight is a great movie. I just think Batman Begins a little bit better. A little better paced, a little Mm -hmm. bit better performances, and a little more rewatchable. Third Act is great with the Joker card. It's awesome. And I love, I love, I never said thank you. And you never have to. And and, again, (laughs) in the the good Batman voice. and And you never will. That's what it is. And you never will. You never will. Yeah. It never will. Um, yeah, for me, I think The Dark Knight Rises would probably actually be my most rewatchable one just because it's so fun. Oh, God, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's not as dark. Like You don't have to like go to like deep, dark places in your no, mind no, no, like no, the no. first two. So I think that that would be the most rewatchable. And to, to be honest, I have the fondest memories of Batman Begins. The reason I have Dark Knight as my number two is just objective. I'm just like, all right, objectively, this is a very, very well-made movie. Um, like you know it's iconic the script is perfect like the pace is awesome so that's the reason i have it as my number two but if i was to like you know be on an island and only pick one of the three i would probably actually pick batman begins as well or yeah or, actually no it would probably be the dark knight rises let's be honest it'll probably be that one. <laughs> man so i rewatched the dark knight the dark knight rises uh for this mm-hmm. and i oh sorry i watched all of them and yeah. i'm a different viewer in each movie Batman okay. Begins, I feel myself, because I don't have as much rewatch with it as much as I, I've seen The Dark Knight. I'm really yeah. into Batman Begins. Then when I get to The Dark Knight, I'm sitting there waiting for the Joker to come on the screen, because I mm-hmm. love all his scenes. And then there's a couple other good scenes. And then Dark Knight Rises, I'm just laughing the whole time. Where it's like, right. again, his knee, is, his knee is magically healed. His yeah. back is magically healed. Batman, yeah. there's so many characters in dark knight rises that a bunch of them are just bedridden for a chunk of the movie <laughs> they put gary oldman in a bed batman's gone like the, the, there's it, michael kane is like the oldest guy but he's he leaves michael around. yeah michael kane leaves a character's introduced they leave um and again it, it's just overstuffed there's too much going on i think there was a much simpler story to tell bane right. is completely thrown away at the end catwoman's good and i like Anne hathaway in it but again she goes into prison for 20 minutes they got to get her out of the movie because there's other shit going on we got marion cotillard like yeah. it, 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 there's just too much going on in the movie and um and again i think christian bale's phoning in a little bit he's coming off the fighter he just won an oscar i think he wasn't putting his whole heart into it and um yeah it's just again his back's broken i'm gonna hang you for here for a little bit and then right. again, okay. I don't understand this. He fights Bane both times. He fights Bane. He's not in the best shape ever. He just became Batman again and goes and yeah. fights Bane and gets his ass kicked. Then he breaks his back. He's in a prison forever. How long he hangs, does some push ups, Then he goes and beats Bane. <laughs> it's a tough fight though, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the worst no. line, Chris, the worst line, Christopher Nolan, has ever written and i'm gonna do it for you right now it's the i cannot believe this was scripted filmed and then made it through editing okay so you decided to come back and die with your city no (laughs) i came to stop you (laughs) oh yeah it's so bad it's It's so bad what a best comeback batman come on you couldn't think of anything cooler to say than that yeah like Ah. just say nothing i'm with you 
I agree. just say but nothing. I, we're we're shitting on all these movies, but they're all great. And... No, no, I'm just I'm not shitting yeah. on the Dark Knight or yeah. Batman Begins. And Dark Knight Rises is fun. I, I, it, it's yeah, a fun yeah. it, again. It's still the first the first Bane uh, Batman fight in the sewer is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. No music, right. no music, just. Right. You so think good. darkness is your ally. I merely adopted the dark. I was born in, it. in the dark. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's so good. Like Tom Hardy's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, and even just the beginning. The beginning in the plane, like that's one of my favorite scenes ever. <laughs> just the whole yeah. plane scene. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's and, but it's it's ridic it's yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but it's so good. It's like yeah. it's like uh yeah, I don't know. It'll be um, extremely painful. You're a big guy <laughs> for you. <laughs> It makes me want Christopher Nolan to just make a silly movie, you know? And yeah. I saw this this great clip today, actually, of Christopher Nolan, where they're asking him, like, what are your movies that you, if it's on the TV, you have to sit and watch it, right? Yeah. And he, first he started going, like, you know, anything Stanley Kubrick, like, older movies, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but you know what is really my guilty pleasure is Talladega Nights. <laughs> and then everyone's like, what? <laughs> Christopher Nolan, you love Talladega Nights? And he's like, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> oh, my God. So I would love for to see him just do a straight-up comedy. Could you imagine? Well, you there's imagine? there's been rumors, and I don't know if he's going to do it because Tenet was pretty close. Uh, a lot of people line him up with James Bond. And mm, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not. I'm not big into the into the James Bond world, but it's interesting because I'm just looking at my list here. So he's got a sci-fi space epic in Interstellar. He's got a war epic with Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. He's got little dramas, Memento and Insomnia. He's got comic book movies in the three Batman movies. He has this epic blockbuster action movie with Inception, and then. Um, Tenet, again, actually, you could put that in the same category. And then Oppenheimer's a drama, really. Yep. Prestige, yep. Dra- very dramatic. Not a lot of, a- yeah. not really any action in it. Like, he's dabbled in a lot of stuff. Like, he's, For sure. it's very it's very interesting. It usually takes itself very seriously, though, right? That's the thing. Like, yeah. a lot of these movies do. But to see him do something that's not taking itself seriously, I think, would be interesting. I don't like the idea of him doing James Bond because it goes back to our very first point on this, like, there's other things Christopher Nolan could be doing. Yeah. We don't need him to make um, a freaking 007 movie. A lot of other people are capable of making just fine 007 movies. What was his name? Sam, the Sam Mendes or whatever. He did yep. a good job. Like, there's a bunch of people that have done a good job. Even the guy who made Casino Royale, right? It's, like, not a huge director that made Casino Royale. Um, I think that James Bond sells itself. And, you know, if you're thinking about it, what's a great way to t- to make hollywood good again you don't need christopher nolan and james bond like you're just doubling up on something that you know is going to work yeah let's have those be separate entities in my opinion and i agree because again i know i know tarantino announced his movie what is the movie critic and oh, yeah. again i don't know what it is and what story is going to yeah. tell it was the same thing as hollywood where it's like oh this is exciting although we didn't love the outcome it wasn't one of our favorites it was an exciting process. And I remember the advertisements for Inception where it's like, from the director of The Dark Knight. In- yeah. And the trailer was like, holy fuck. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, that was what is exciting about it. And yeah. Interstellar as well. Although I wasn't huge on it, that was exciting. The one movie I always point to in terms of, like, marketing that got me was uh, Prometheus. 
Oh like yeah, Prometheus yeah. was like, and Ridley Scott's another one, right? I'll give Ridley Scott a chance when he's got Gladiator two coming yeah. out. It's like it sounds like it could be horrible, but I'm gonna <laughs> bet that it's not because it's Ridley Scott. And this new Napoleon movie looks like it could be horrible, but maybe it'll be fine. We'll see. <laughs> and I don't. I think we mentioned in one episode too, and we we kind of glossed over it. But The Dark Knight Rises and IMAX was when we first met as well. That was the first movie yeah. we watched together. That's why I've got. And then I'm pretty sure we saw Interstellar together too. I think we all went to see Interstellar. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. So let's talk about Interstellar. Pardon? I I thought we saw Dunkirk together, but maybe not. No, we didn't see Dunkirk. I saw that with uh, the other uh, film group I have. Interstellar. Yeah. What? Arguably our biggest discre. Arguably our biggest discrepancy. I think. I think Mm so. So. What? do you like about the movie why is it number three interstellar to me i mean people it's kind of like tenet where people just are like oh it's too confusing but like if you just think about it as a guy who wants to save his planet for his daughter he wants to see his daughter grow up with a better life than what he's had and like that's what the whole movie is revolving around it's just a father daughter relationship and the ending is so damn sad with that in mind um but it's also uplifting at the same time it's like you did it you did for your planet and for your daughter what you set out to do but you didn't get to witness it you know it's kind of like a double-edged sword it's it's perfect in terms of that if you just look at it that way all the physics stuff all the stuff he likes to throw into space like that's just christopher nolan styling like he's just style points it's like he he wants the physics uh what's called like the scientists that watch the movie to like get a good kick out of it i think and i think that's part of why he does some of that stuff but just from a grounded perspective i think that that movie is like so phenomenal so emotional like it's one of the few movies that i will definitely like cry in mm-hmm. um and like you mentioned the visuals are absolutely spectacular it was that run of good movies with gravity and stuff like that where there was visuals were out of the like out of this world and i think that we've kind of regressed a little bit since then top mm-hmm. gun maverick not uh withstanding but like these marvel movies since that those movies came out are kind of ruining things i think as much as like marvel's cool and all this but there's just way too much and um interstellar i think was a grounded you know original story which is what christopher nolan does best and um yeah i just i don't have anything bad to say about it sure i don't understand quantum physics and all this (laughs) how black holes really work but no one really does, and that's kind of the fun of it. It's like, yeah. hey, you know what? Maybe their gravity on this planet would age you fifty years if you were just in a spaceship above it. I don't know. But I it, like it that element. I, I love that ticking yeah. time clock, whatever that thing. The, and the, the ticking clock is phenomenal. That's that's one of the things with the last two Nolan movies. We both had them at like our bottom two, and guess what? Hans Zimmer didn't do the soundtrack. Yeah, no, that's I, I think true. Soundtracks are bigger deal than we want to admit in a lot of movies. Um, yeah and i think that th- that's a good example every movie he did with han zimmer we love and then the last two were like eh. <laughs> yeah so i think that that's nope. an important factor i totally i agree yeah like i said the the last little bit throws me when he's yeah. in behind the bookcase i have no idea what the hell's going on <laughs> um but yeah it's just it's it's fun to me. It's fine. The story is fine. McConaughey's good in it. The performances are good. But I'm just like this guy. We don't really know much about him. He stumbles across this place. They give him this mission, and then he's gone. He's in space. 
Like they, yeah. they, they, it's 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 a weird structured movie. It's two hours and fifty minutes, but there's a lot of lollygagging at the beginning, and then we're in it. He literally he leaves this house and he's going to space. I think it literally cuts from him driving from his farm to him flying into space. Mm-hmm. And I like the action set piece. I love when they land on the water and the, the things coming towards them there. I think the first one, when they're like, they're going to lose seven years every hour or something, something yeah, like great. that. Um, and then Matt Damon shows up and I, I think the movie stalls a little bit and then it gets a little more exciting and I then like I get confused. Yeah. And, and so that's where I'm at, where I'm like, okay, so again, this is in the runtime. This is in the, again, it's 30 minutes longer than inception. And again, I keep, we keep, for me, keep circling back to it where I feel like Inception, and again, dreams are a little bit, okay, we're just going to go to Inception because it's a, it's a good <laughs> companion piece to Interstellar for a lot of reasons. Yeah. yeah. One, I think Dom is more interesting than Matthew, or Leo is more interesting than Matthew McConaughey. Right, right. Because they both have emotional reasons and, and motivations in their movie for what they're doing for their kids. Um. The idea of the quantum realm and black holes and all this shit goes way over most people's heads. And the nice thing with Inception is everyone dreams. So I think you already have a step in there, even though you're explaining the rules that can be confusing. But it warrants multiple rewatches. I remember the first time watching Inception, I I was just along for the ride. I'm like, holy shit. I always think it's like a... It's like a train that's going slow and you get up to the door and then you can't get in. You got to keep going, but you're always with the train. Whereas interstellar, sometimes I feel it's just fucking gone. Tenant. It's just fucking gone. (laughs) It's a horse that just takes off. Yeah. And then inception. So again, back to the comparisons, uh, both very visually good, um, Mm -hmm. characters. I think overall are better in inception than interstellar. I don't like Anne Hathaway is good, but she's kind of monotone in it. And Michael Caine's a little dull, I mean, the nice thing about Inception is like you're just you have a scene with these two, then you go to these two, and then these guys, and then sometimes they're together, and then you have this dramatic scene, and then you have oh Marion Cotillard, oh my God, Maul. It's like that Ocean's Eleven vibe, almost. Yes, yes, very good good comparison. Yeah, yeah. A good mix of like characters, and they all have good chemistry together. So here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out here. Last twenty years, let's say, and there's been some good fucking movies. Is Inception one of the best movies from the last twenty years? Yeah. Yep. Why do you think so? Because it's a blockbuster that everyone can see and is accessible to everyone. It's not weird. It's not like a movie that's like, you know, oh, if you saw that, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Or um, it's got great action pretty much the whole way through. It's got great pacing. It's got, I mean, a lot perfect, of movies nowadays. Perfect pacing. Perfect pacing. A lot of movies have great casts. We can almost mention every single movie and be like, oh, great cast. But this one truly is not there, only a great cast, but it's a great, like we just said, memorable group of characters. The cast works as characters. That's the yeah. other thing. Like you can have these, you know, big name Hollywood actors, but if their characters don't merge well with each other, like Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, I don't love, but like that on paper is like one of the best casts of all time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? This is like that. It just delivers on everything it sets out to do. The script is phenomenal. It's super rewatchable. And I think that's one of the key things. It's like to be one of the best movies of a time period, it has to be so rewatchable. It's what made Pulp Fiction so good. It's what yeah. made Forrest Gump so good. 
like these classic 90s movies. Shawshank Redemption is what made that All movie. the same year. You just mentioned three movies from the same <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <laughs> you spoiled funny. us that year. I'm so uh, glad you Jurassic named all Park. three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park, which was what, the year before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 90s were uh, great. 90s were great. Anyways. Yeah, I think that it just had all the elements. It's like a perfect meal. Like, it all just came together. Oh, appetizer, three courses, yeah. dessert. Oh, you nailed it. You're pre- yeah. just, I'm, I'm just getting, I'm getting all hot and bothered over here just talking about Inception. It's great. So, I now, ended up watching it twice in the last okay. month. I watched it by myself, and then I put it on a list with my for my cousin because we were having a movie night, and he picked it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this yeah. again. So, yeah. it, I have a... Like what I love about the movie too, in regards to the cast, is I think everyone is in the perfect spot. We love DiCaprio. We raved about him. There's a lot of great stuff. I love what he did with Django, obviously. But this is DiCaprio in a perfect position in a movie. He's not the best actor in the movie. He doesn't have arguably the best scenes, but he carries the movie beginning to end. He's got some yeah. really good scenes in the movie. I love. I love I, the scene when Mull jumps is 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 terrible. Like, and he right. is totally believable in that. But DiCaprio is a leading man in this movie. He carries this movie beginning and makes you believe so much of what's going on. He's got a scene with everybody. He is mm-hmm. the connecting tissue with every single character. But you have standouts. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, one of his best performances. Elliot Page Marianne is fantastic Cotillard. in it. Tom mm-hmm. Hardy, Marion Cotillard underrated in this movie killian murphy arguably is the emotional heartbeat of the movie you can make the argument obviously dom getting back to his kids is very pivotal but his scene with his dad when he gets and and that's that's what's so good about the movie it's not real they have created as well pardon ken watanabe as well i was gonna say yeah and tom burgener or whatever his name is yeah um but killian murphy having this moment with his dad that's Ter- like very heartbreaking and sad and his performance is great it's not real they have created this in his mind this is what he wants this isn't right. what he's getting it's right. so good um too I-, I i love little subtle things in this movie where i love um they uh tom hardy pickpockets his passport when they're on the plane right. and killing murphy sits in front of leo leo looks at the passport and then he leans up to him and gives it back to him and then he brings up his dad and he talks about his dad, and then he cheers him and says, to your father, huh? And he mm-hmm. and he cheers last. Why is that so good? This is nuance. This is why this script is so fucking good. Usually yeah. when you dream about something, it's from something that is fresh in your mind. It makes sense that he would dream about his dad because he just talked about his dad. It's just little right. things like that that are so good. And this, so like, well written. Like, and it's just like, and, and, and again, back to Leo because I love him. He's our protagonist, obviously. Yeah but he's not a hero. Mm, he's yeah. selfish. He's a, he's, sure. he's a pretty he's selfish character. He has flaws. He's a very interesting character where again, comparing to a Matthew McConaughey, he's fine. But to me, it's like, this is a whole level up where it's like, he makes decisions that you question, but you're like, it, he's your, he's your fearless leader. But like yeah. Joseph Gordon Levin and Tom Hardy say when they're pissed at him, like you let us into a freaking war zone with no if we die we go into limbo like we're fucked give and then, you another example yeah, of a movie that's exactly like that in terms of like and we love this movie too the town <laughs> yeah 
Yes, yes. Yes, ben, ben Affleck. Car- ben Affleck carries the movie, and then yeah. you know Jeremy Renner and uh, Blake Lively and John Hamm get. Yeah, no, that, that's again, it's perfectly executed. Where, like, yeah. you don't have to be a Daniel Day Lewis. You don't have to be a De Niro. You don't have to be this amazing groundbreaking actor. To again, DiCaprio is serviceable in this. He's so good. He's got a few moments to shine, but the mm-hmm. rest of his time is taking us along this ride. And like the yeah. the movie does so many good things. It, it does uh, with, with Elliot ba- Page's character, where it's like she's the audience. They right. she's asking the questions that we're asking, so we're getting the answers, and we're getting just enough information so we're not completely out to lunch. And every time we get one answer, we get another question, and it just mm-hmm. it makes it fun to every single time I watch the movie, I pick up on something that I didn't know before. I was telling you right. when we golfed last week and about I was always confused about Joseph Gordon Levitt's level. Um, when he's uh, trying to figure out how to drop them and get their kick. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, wouldn't there be no gravity in the entire place? I'm like, no, it's just the characters that have no gravity because of the other level. So the elevator mm-hmm. would still work. So I'm like, oh, okay. Because there's just so much going on. So much. I mean, those things like it would go over your head. And I think that the, that's why we should rewatch a tenant and things like that. Because I think there's things like that in a lot of Christopher Nolan movies that just go over people's heads. But it's so perfectly like embedded into the script and it's just well done i, I think, think it, screw tenet we'll just rewatch inception <laughs> yeah, <we'll do> both. <laughs> here's, here's like the level that inception is on for me and this is like a i think a category that i could start putting in because i have two kids who are young who yep. aren't at the point where they can watch an inception obviously um I would be upset if someone else showed them Inception before I could show it to them. Oh. You know, and I hope that they become big enough movie fans to where I'll be like, you guys got to watch Inception and I'm going to be there when you watch it. You know, like that. Yeah. That is the level of Inception for me. So it's, it's my third favorite film of all time. Like it hit this guy hard again. DiCaprio is just icing on the cake. You could put anybody, any decent actor in here. I would still love it. But again, you have my favorite, you have my favorite actor in one of his best movies, not his best performance, um, which we've already discussed, um, Mm -hmm. but arguably one of his best movies and the cast, like we said, the practice, the, the, the the mesh, like Christopher Nolan perfectly balances practical and CGI in this movie. They built sets. Wally Pfister won an Oscar for this. Like the the shooting yeah. in this movie is fantastic. Like when Joseph Gordon-Levitt is fighting in zero gravity, he's fighting on an actual set that's spinning. I know. Like I that's love crazy. that shit. When they go to uh, when they're in I think Tom Hardy's dream on the third level before Limbo, like that snow level, like yeah. they're there. The actors are out in the snow. <laughs> like this, they're yeah. not shooting. Like there's there's green screen in this movie, obviously at some points. But yeah. you don't know. It's just enhancing the image that's mm-hmm. already in the camera. Like, the, the set design, everything in this... There, there's not a flaw in this movie. Now, that that's kind of where I want to end here. Because I think there are plot holes in this movie, but they don't matter. No. There's no movie that's perfect. Right. Like, that in regards to there's no mistakes. But like Tarantino said in a great interview with, I think, Jimmy Kimmel, there are perfect movies. That have flaws, but they're perfect. You cannot bring them down. You, they might. I think he says they might not be your cup of tea, and he 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 lists off like The Exorcist and Jaws, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like movies that were made at a specific time that they're just flawless yeah. with mistakes, but they're flawless. I think 
There's nothing you can bring down for this movie. You can say you don't like it. You can say it's confusing. You can say, mm-hmm. meh, whatever. It's 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 a masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's I'm, it's. Why can't we have inc- more Christopher Nolan and uh, Leo hookups? Like, why do we why do we have to wait for them to come together? Why didn't Leo star in Oppenheimer? <laughs> well, I have a pitch for you, and I said this to my buddy Andrew after we saw Oppenheimer. Yeah. Christopher Nolan comes back to do some sort of action movie. I don't know what. Tom Cruise. Oh. Practical. Tom yeah. Cruise loves practical, doing all his own stunts. Right, right, right. I mean, I don't know. Insane. Imagine get Leo in there too. Although you know, now we're <laughs> back to the whole. We're back to the whole like double dipping in Hollywood. Like you, Christopher Nolan draws a crowd. Tom Cruise yeah. draws a crowd, and Leo draws a crowd. Like you can't, you couldn't keep them. Se- you can keep them separate. Yeah. I would love that together. personally, but yeah. I've already seen Leo with Christopher Nolan. I'd be really intrigued with a original action movie directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Tom Cruise, not as Ethan Hunt, not as Maverick. A new Tom Cruise character. I loved it as much as I loved the new Mission Impossible yeah. movie. It was a lot of fun. I'm, I, I'm kind of over Mission Impossible. I like Tom Cruise while he's still young for him at sixty, <laughs> to do right. to use his skills with something original to do something like an Edge of Tomorrow or something like that. Yeah, like, I like maybe yeah. like Christopher Nolan needs to do like a collateral movie, like just a, maybe Ooh. a little bit of action. But some yeah. drama in there and some thriller uh, elements to it, and, do, and 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 bring back some collateral Tom Cruise. Yeah, him and his brother are great writers. Like they could easily get that to work. Um, yeah, no, you, I think that'd be good. Idea. Yeah, that'd or bring. I mean, I think DiCaprio is really going down a dramatic route. I I don't know how much more action he's gonna do, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, DiCaprio and Nolan teaming back up. Sure, that'd be great. I would love it. I'd be there opening weekend. But I think the overall <laughs> thing with Christopher Nolan is he does make movies for the theater. I love going to support him. He's got my ticket for the rest of my life. He's a really good, he's one of the best filmmakers going right now. And he still probably has a lot in the tank. And again, he has some movies that didn't work for us. But again, like you said, seven out of 10 for Oppenheimer, I'd be around there. And I hope I'd love to see Robert Downey Jr. Win an Oscar for it. That'd be great. And maybe it wins a couple other Oscars. I don't know. But again, it's just, unfortunately, past dunkirk on this list and and again dark knight rises but it's not as good not there's not a lot of rewatch value unfortunately but i I was i didn't want to put a gun to my head watching oppenheimer there was some really good moments in it it's just like i think there's a better cut of this movie i think a a nice two two hours and ten minutes a little bit structure change less music i think there's a really good movie there but he chose to make it longer and i mean he can do whatever he wants (laughs) yeah I think there's a really good movie there as well. I just think it's directed by someone else. And oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, that's it fair. Does, it, it doesn't need to be Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. That's just... no, that's fair. Do you have anything else? Did you have any questions prepped for this one? No, I don't have any questions. Um, I don't know. I think we honestly covered so much in the Nolan <laughs> era, like territory. Uh, Did we talk about the Dark Knight? I don't remember talking about the Dark Knight. We didn't talk about how hot Florence <laughs> Pugh is. I don't know. <laughs> how what? How hot Florence Pugh is. We didn't talk about that enough. <laughs> oh. <laughs> did you see what they did? They CGI'd a dress on her at some release yeah. in, I forget, overseas. That yeah. was weird. They, everyone was talking about Christopher Nolan's first big sex scene. I'm like, 
this is weird that this is part of the marketing of the movie and like people yeah. are talking about it. Like it wasn't anything to write home about. She, again, she was a little underutilized in it, and I, I agree, she's hot, obviously, but um, she's a great actress as well. I would have liked to oh, see yeah. her more in it. I, I would have focused more on the affair, to be honest. That that was a little more interesting. Like this guy was, that's destroying, yeah. is destroying his own life. Like that's the problem with Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh being underutilized. I don't know what was going on. I don't know the motivation of Oppenheimer, why he chose to go have sex with her and have an affair. They didn't really dive into it enough because there was too much other shit going on. And that's why this could almost be like I was saying a series because you can yep. split it up into three different things. You could have the affair. You could have the building of the bomb, and then you can have all the stuff that happened after yeah. with Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Like, those are three different things. In a series, it would make a lot more sense to spread them out. Or in a movie, yeah. maybe just to focus on two of them. Maybe mm-hmm. take the, Denier, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. part completely out. You know? I don't know. That's just me. No, you, you could. That's the thing. You you absolutely could. And like I said, yeah. a, whole, a whole hour and a half could have been literally the day of the Infinity Test. For sure. Or or the infinity test and then deciding where to bomb. Like that that was the most interesting stuff from it the o- almost right before the infinity test and then the aftermath and then deciding where to, to bomb uh in Japan. Like I I like yeah. world, like talking in, in movies about World War Two. It was just uh, did you not notice in this movie like it was it was like at one point they're like just oh hitler died i'm like oh yeah. and in my head i'm like okay so hitler died right before okay they're, they're about to bomb and then they're like now we're in the now we're in the 50s and they're yeah. naming a new president i'm like okay shit so okay so <laughs> Her- uh, truman was was president and then i think eisenhower was pre- i'm like oh my god like there there's just so much and i just think simplify it and yeah anyways we don't want to keep going back yeah, yeah one more thing i was very happy to see josh hartnett back because I agree. Yeah. He looks really good. Talk about, uh, well, we were talking about Florence Pugh, but he looks really good. Um, that's what we needed, a sex scene with Josh Hartnett and, and Florence Pugh. It's funny because <laughs> right on the way to the movie, we're literally driving there, and Nicole's like, you know who I hadn't seen in a long time, but he was just in Black Mirror, it was Josh Hartnett, and I forgot about him. I was like, yeah, I forgot about him too. And then he pops up in the movie, and we just <laughs> turned to each other and laughed, and we're like, there he is like so funny but like yeah he was great i hope he keeps doing movies because they he was so good. missed they missed a epic moment in this movie in that scene when they're talking about who to bomb mm-hmm. josh Hartnett needed to say <laughs> pearl harbor at some oh, point in this he had to mention pearl harbor and that would have been iconic that would have been trending crazy yeah, if he was like, this is redemption for Pearl Harbor or something. Yeah, like that. That, that would, again, that's a little on the nose for Nolan, yeah. but that's all I wanted was just a mention of Pearl Harbor. Um, but yeah, and Matt no, Damon again, and, talking about uh, Normandy. Oh, we didn't even mention Matt Damon in this. Matt Damon was in it. He was good again. Matt Matt Damon, serviceable, just being himself. Um, again, Josh Hartnett was a standout. Jason Clark was good. Um, you know, yeah. Matt Damon had the comedic element though. He made my the audience that I was with at the theater laugh. His lines yeah. were the ones that made people laugh, and like he, I think that's where he he has a lot of charisma, and I think that he doesn't get enough credit for his charisma, because probably some of those lines on paper weren't that great, and he probably even improvised a couple little things. Yeah, um, just no, to he was add good. Extra value to the movie, so yeah. Anyways, yeah. Speaking uh, to end this on just because I had a great laugh, I watched it like five times. Do you know, like, when uh, they release, like, audience uh, reactions of, like, trailers and, and moments in movies when people are screaming and cheering, like, oh, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Well, 
there was a great one that was made for uh, this trailer of when they show the clip of the hat blowing off of Einstein and then oh, it yeah. goes to him picking it up and it's cut with audio reaction. Let's go! Let's go! Woo! <laughs> when it cuts to Einstein's face and that's all I pictured in the, in the movie when they were like teasing him and then you finally oh, see God. his face. Like it's supposed to be this like epic moment like it's Captain America. It's Einstein! Yeah. Woo! <laughs> that was great. That was great. I had a good chuckle. Yeah. I'm I'm exhausted. We talked about everything. So, yeah. um, what was your top three again? You had Inception, Dark, Dark Knight, Knight, and Interstellar. Okay, so yeah. our, our top five, six are about the same. Uh, Prestige and Interstellar are our biggest differences. I get it. Right. Prestige a lot. It's not for everyone. I, I love the slow burn of that movie, and the performances are great. Um, but uh, yeah, and then our bottoms basically the same. Yep. So, anything you want to say to wrap up, Christopher Nolan? Christopher Nolan, keep making great movies. Maybe a little bit different than this. Go back to <laughs> more action-packed stuff. More you know? sex scenes. He needs to direct more sex scenes. But if people like this, then hey, I'm wrong. And uh, <laughs> just keep doing slow burn biopics and make a J. Edgar that was trash or something. Yeah, let's try J. Edgar again with DiCaprio. Let's try yeah. it again. Right. Um, yeah, no, again, I, I enjoyed my time going to the theater. I had a great time with my buddy Andrew and uh, a little disappointed after, but again, a solid 7, 7.5 yeah. out of 10. Yeah. Well made and can't wait for the next one. And um, yeah, keep shooting on film and keep it alive and mm-hmm. keep going to the theaters. I think that's a big thing, a uh, big takeaway from this past weekend with Barbenheimer was go to the movies. They're a lot of fun. Get some popcorn yeah. and uh, support film, support movies on the big screen. Uh, some things are great to stream, but there's also a lot of great stuff to go see on, on the big screen. Original movies. Let's get them back in here. Yeah, man. Again, comic book movies, just sparingly. They don't need to be every freaking weekend. Like maybe no. one a year. The, the 2000s <laughs> was perfect. You had Iron Man, you had Dark Knight, yeah. you had like a couple good ones. You know, early 90, like 90s, you had Blade or whatever. I don't know. That might've been 2000s, but yeah. 98, anyway. I think. Keep it going. Keep these original movies coming and I will keep supporting. Hell yeah. Well, thanks again for joining, uh, Jake. This was awesome. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to watch Tenet or Inception next. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll figure one of them out. Until next time. We'll watch it back to back. We'll watch Inception, then Tenet (laughs) without a break. We'll just go right into Tenet. We'll just cut them in between each other. We'll just make an Uber cut. We will put them side by side and watch them both at the same time. Dreaming in reverse. (laughs) Thanks again, man. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 